You're listening to CSB Broadcast, where Community State Bank links you to the communities of southeastern Wisconsin and keeps you connected to the people, businesses, and events happening near you. All right, well, good afternoon and welcome to another podcast here at Community State Bank. My name is Rachel Crane. Joining me in the studio today are fellow CSBer Mandy Seeky, um, as well as Mark Finnegan from Vets Roll and Matt Francis, who is a veteran, a firefighter, and also a volunteer for Vets Roll. So good afternoon, everyone. Hello. Thank you for having us. So we're super excited. Um, once again, Community State Bank is having their annual gift to giving campaign. What that is, is it's a chance for each of the employees to receive $100 from the bank, and we can donate that to a charity of our choice. And this year, eight of us from Community State Bank joined our, our $100 together for a total of an $800 donation to Vets Roll. Now, Mark, you play a very instrumental role in this organization. <laughs> you co-founded it, I believe, with your brother. That's correct. Um, about nine years ago, and, and my current- wife. Okay, uh, and your wife. We do not <laughs> want to leave her <laughs> out. <laughs> um, so I guess I'd just like to start it off by tell us the story. Tell us what started this. Tell us your your passion behind it, and and how it well, all began. The uh, there's kind of a long backstory on it, but I'll kind of truncate it for you a little bit, but. We, um, my father was a World War II Navy veteran and very proud of his service in the Pacific during World War II. And um, he fought a brutal battle of cancer back in the 90s. And um, he was just a proud, tough Minnesota farm guy. You know, he never complained about anything, never wanted sympathy. But we watched him deteriorate away to the point where you could just touch him on the shoulder and it made him want to cry, you know. And it was just, it was a terrible way to go. And He's very well known, or our family's pretty well known in the Beloit area for, you know, just being involved in the community and the businesses and whatnot. And so when he passed away, we wanted to do something in his memory, you know, something that might be a legacy. And, uh, and I should mention, too, my mother's still living. She was a Rosie the Riveter during the World War II era. And if you're not familiar with the Rosie the Riveters, look them up because we would not have, you ladies wouldn't have a job today if it wasn't for the ladies <laughs> going into the workforce back in the 40s. And, um, and they were instrumental in us winning World War II. And so what we did is we got thinking about doing something along the line of honoring our father's service to the country. And I had a sister-in-law who was a major in the Army during Vietnam. She was a combat nurse in Vietnam. And um, she was stricken with MS, and she had to take a forced retirement out of the Army. And she passed away on Christmas Eve of 2003, and she was buried at Arlington National Cemetery. And so my son and I went out there for the funeral in early 04. We saw the pageantry of a military honors officer's burial at Arlington. And I think that's what we got to do. we got to honor our father's legacy by his service. And we heard about the wonderful honor flight program. And being an RV dealer, we thought, well, gosh, what if we do something similar to Honor Flight, but we slow it down and we give these veterans time to spend together and start building those relationships. And in the course of about 60 days, in uh, February of 2010, uh, we put the concept together. We went public with it March 17th of 2010, St. Patty's Day if you're Irish, and uh, (laughs) gave ourselves all of 60 days. And we raised almost $90,000. We took nine RVs and three buses, 
And it's a testament to how fast that generation is leaving us because in 60 days we had 117 World War II vets and eight Rosie Riveters that signed up for that trip. And we made the trip to D.C. and back, and it was just phenomenal. And we thought we were all done, but we weren't, and it just continued on. So that's kind of what, what the basis of it is. Well, and I guess now I'm going to turn it to Mandy. She has some questions for Matt, who, like I said, Matt is a veteran, um, firefighter, but also volunteers and has been on four or five of these? Four, okay. four trips, yeah. Take it away, Mandy. Um, so, Matt, how did you get involved with the vet's role, and what is your role when you go on the trip with the veterans? Okay, so I got involved with the program through uh, two friends of mine, Mark Strasser and um, uh, Gail Bishop. They had both been on the trip before. Uh, Mark is uh, one of the bus leaders, and um, he's also now recently in charge the way we kind of have our chain of command. He's also not only in charge of his bus, but five other buses as kind of an overseer. So they talked about it all the time, and uh, Gail Bishop, after I got out of the military in 2012, I was in the Army for seven years, uh, she said, oh, you should go on the trip. She's like, you know, you're, you're paramedic, you're medically trained, you know, you could be one of the medical assistants, you'd be perfect. And I'd never heard of it before, obviously. So I kind of looked it up and I said, yeah, you know, that looks like something I would like to do. And uh, so I signed up, got approved, and uh, did my first trip and been going ever since. <laughs> so it's kind of addicting. Uh, but basically my, my role in the trip is I'm, I'm one of the medical assistants and there's about 30 or in change uh, medical assistants that go on the trip. There's three, three, 35. 30, 35, I was thinking that was probably pretty close to the number. Um, and there's generally three per bus and then we have a few extra in case uh, something happens so that there's always enough medical coverage. And basically our job is to ensure um, the medical well-being and safety of not just the veterans that go on the trip but everybody including the assistants. Um, so uh, once uh, Mark and, and his staff, the board of directors, once they kind of determine who's going on the trip for the year, um, they'll put that roster out. The medical team leader uh, will uh, start getting meetings together. Uh, we'll start going over um, any changes that we're going to make to our SOGs for the year, any new equipment that we have or any equipment that we would like to have for the trip to make our job easier. And then uh, we actually start calling all the veterans beforehand to uh, find out a little bit about them, their medical history, any special needs that they have, um, what type of medications they, um, that they take on a daily basis. And we explain to them the importance of keeping your normal routine when it comes to your medications. Bring those with you. Take them like you're supposed to. Because we want them to have an enjoyable trip. Nobody wants to have their trip cut short by a medical problem. And in all the years that I've been on, I don't remember anybody since I've been going not being able to complete the trip. I know there's been a couple of small instances where somebody um, had some issues and they required some hospitalization, but generally everything goes pretty well. We start calling them, we talk to them, uh, we make a packet on them, and then once they show up um, for the orientation uh, seminars that we have at the Eclipse Center in Beloit, we already know stuff about them. Um, we make packets, uh, we know exactly what medications they're supposed to take and when, what medical problems they have. So if something happens on the trip, we can recognize it, um, that something's going on. And we just make sure generally everything's safe, that there's no trip hazards, that um, you know, if the weather's bad, that there's no place that they're going to slip and fall, things like that. Uh, we just kind of generally keep an eye on everybody that's on the trip. So Wonderful. Can you take us on like a quick recap of like the 
your trip, you know, your special escorts that you get, the places the veterans get to stop on their way to D.C., you know, how do the oh. veterans react to yeah, absolutely. the trip? So, and Mark, Mark says this uh, many times, you know, we're not in competition by any means with Honor Flight. Mm-hmm. We just do it a little bit different. That's the, only, that's the only difference. So we go by bus. We take 10 Badger Coast buses, and we leave out of the Eclipse Center in Beloit. We usually leave at what time, Mark? 5.14 in the morning on a Sunday morning. He always is very specific about that time. (laughs) 5.14, we leave, uh, we uh, release the brakes and we're on our way. So we leave from there. We generally try to not drive more than about four hours at a time. Just we don't want people to get stiff. They can get up and move around. So we drive from there to Lafayette, Indiana, where we stop for a quick brunch at uh, at a church there. We get back on the buses after a short break, and then we drive to Dayton, Ohio, to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which is where the Museum of the United States Air Force is located. And they're able to spend about three hours and change their five just massive hangars of um, just beautifully maintained Air Force aircraft from World War I through modern, um, including some Air Force One aircraft. Uh, we spend the night in Dayton. And generally every night where we spend at the hotel, we eat dinner there, and then there's some sort of presentation, maybe a speaker, or Mark will have a, a program that he wants to do. Um, one of the last nights we do mail call, which is where um, the veterans receive a packet of letters from their, their wife or their husband, um, from their kids, their grandkids, school kids from all over the place that write mm-hmm. and send in letters. And that's usually a pretty emotional time for some. Um, and that's that's real specific because me speaking from experience when you're overseas when when mail shows up and you actually have a piece of mail that's it seems weird but it's pretty exciting because it's from home you know where that package came from. We kind of treat it as their final mail call and it makes right. it even more emotional. We had over ten thousand cards and letters in last year's trip for two hundred and twenty vets to go through. Right. Wow. We kind of keep that a secret from them. We don't. We don't really tell them. They get a lot of briefings. They know some of what's coming up on the trip, but they don't know everything. We do keep some secrets to kind of surprise them with, and that's one of them. Uh, So then from Dayton is the next day, which would be uh, Monday is kind of a travel day. Uh, We go from there. We stop for lunch in a place called uh, Carnegie, Pennsylvania. Cephalos. Cephalos Restaurant, which is a old church. Just delicious meal, unbelievably good food. And it's right outside of Pittsburgh, very small little town, really cool. Uh, they release, they basically close down the storefronts and release the kids from school to come and line the streets with flags. It's a super emotional time for them. They just can't believe what they're seeing. Uh, so we eat lunch there. And then from there, uh, we basically, we make one stop for fuel to, uh, to, to get the buses cleaned up and things. And we go the rest of the way to um, just outside of uh, DC. Alexandria. Alexandria, Virginia. And we'll stay in that hotel for two nights. Uh, we'll eat dinner there that night, um, have another program, and then Tuesday is the big day. That's where, that's the goal, is to is Tuesday. So we go into D.C., and we will uh, go to the Lincoln Memorial, World War II Memorial, the Korean Wall, the Vietnam Wall, uh, Marine Corps Memorial, and Arlington. then also Arlington, which will be there for the changing of the guard. They get a little bit of an abbreviated tour of Arlington, than the normal two-hour tour that when you take their tram, um, but they still get to to see the cemetery and kind of learn a little bit of the history, see the changing of the guard, which is very impressive. Um, and that's another time where it can be very emotional for some people to go to the Vietnam Wall, the Korean Wall, um, 
people that didn't think that they were going to get emotional, sometimes it kind of ups and surprises them, and, and, and they are because, as they say, there's just something special about those places. It it releases something that some people aren't aren't ready for. Um, but once we're done in D.C. for the day, um, back on the bus to the hotel, another program, and then Wednesday's the long day, all the way from D.C. back to Bloyton. With four, basically every four hours we stop, but all the way back to uh, Beloit. So that's a long day, but it's memorable. It's very memorable, <laughs> and that's the thing. Over the four days, maybe that they don't get as much of a chance on honor flight, where they're just out and back in a day. They're with their seatmates and everybody on their bus for four days, so they get to just sit and talk for hours at a time. They get to have meals at night and breakfast in the morning and lunch and. They get to experience all that together. So some of them form some bonds that even after the trip is done, they they get together sometimes every week with guys that they are on the bus with. There's people that served together overseas that didn't know they lived literally a few blocks apart and wow. hadn't seen each other in 50 or 60 years. Yeah, we've had that happen a number a of times. A couple times, yeah. They, they had no idea that somebody they literally was in combat with in World War II or Korea lived a mile away from them in the same city. That's they had no crazy. idea. Mark, this, what's your favorite memory of uh, one of the trips? I, I know could, that's probably a hard oh, question yeah. to ask, <laughs> that's but a tough one. <laughs> the whole volume. I mean, I guess it's the stories below the hats. Um, you know, we're we're writing and sharing time with living history, and these are the people that experienced history in color. You know, they didn't learn about it in a black and white history book. They're the ones that were there when it happened, and you know, we take high school seniors with us every year on the trip, and from several local area high schools. And to to see how they absorb this history from those people, these seniors, and the total respect that they show them, um, you know, there's just so many facets of it. Our tagline is closure, gratitude, and respect. And we came about that after doing it for a few years. This is our 11th year we're coming up on now. But after the first few years, we started to realize what was really special about it because, and not a dig at our friends at Honor Flight, but the difference with Honor Flight is that they're flying out and back in the same day. And on the Vetrol trip, as Matt alluded to, they're riding on those buses and they're sharing stories, but they're not regionally from the same area. So the veteran from Burlington could be riding on bus number nine with a guy from California and a guy from Florida and somebody from Montana. And they're all strangers on Sunday morning. We see this happen every year. Every year. They're quiet as church mice. And yet, by the time we get to that first stop, they've started to share those stories. And this guy from Burlington realizes, you know, I have I had those same fears. I had those same thoughts. I know I thought they were unique to me, and here I hear a guy that might live two thousand miles away sharing that same thought when he was deployed in Vietnam or something like that. And that's really for me the magic that never stops. And these stories uh, they they start to flow, and once they start to go, it's just normal conversation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it's really funny stuff too. It but is. but uh, they definitely revert back to their youth. Yeah. You know, it's funny to see when they get together. It's like sometimes you got to tell them, like, "Hey, guys, come on, knock, knock it off a little bit here." You know, they, it's, it's it happens. I don't know what it is. It's it not always every, politically no, correct. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> every year, it's like, "What are you twenty? Like, come on." Well, yeah, we had one instance this past year's trip. There was three guys that showed up at the Vietnam Wall looking for the same name, and the three gentlemen didn't know each other. Two of them had gone to high school with the guy on the wall. The other guy was a guy from Minnesota that happened to have served with this guy in Vietnam. All three of them, we got this picture of the three of them holding their, their hands up over their buddy's name on the Vietnam wall. That's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. just, um, 
you know, and, and I don't think we mentioned, but everybody involved with Vetrol is a volunteer. There's not one paid staff member. There's no tax dollars involved. Nope. There's no no corporate sponsors. We don't have, you know, XYZ casino or anything like that. Um, every dollar comes out of the private sector. And, and yet you see it function like it does at the level it does. Um, you know, in, in those four days, there's 600 hotel rooms. There's 5,000 meals that are served. We have dietitians, we have uh, pharmacists that ride with us, we have uh, clinical psychologists who watch for signs of PTSD, um, physical therapists, oxygen techs. I mean, yeah. it's just it's a, a rolling art almost, it an really art is. form. You know, it really is. And We're and our to think it, city. <laughs> nobody's paid to do this. They're all doing it from their hearts. You know, just like good people like Matt right here. So how does I guess this is a two part question? How does someone apply? to try and go on the trip and how do you choose who's going each year the apply is the easy part uh, the <laughs> choose is the tough part um, they can apply at vetsroll.org v-e-t-s dot or v-e-t-s-r-o-l-l dot org and um, and the vet apps are up I was just working on the assistant apps today so those will be up next week and uh, sorry I had my ringer on my phone <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, we'll uh, we'll have the new apps up for that and what we do is we take the veterans that are eligible for the trip to have served active duty, 1966 or earlier, and um, the ones that were 1953 and earlier, they're automatic. They, they bypass the waiting list because currently we have better than a two-year wait list. Um, they did have to be active duty. That, that's important too. Um, and then the ones that served 67 and later, we're taking their names now for future eligibility when we move that, that eligibility date. Um, and currently, well, we've had veterans come to Beloit for this trip from 37 different states. I mean, it's, it's truly become a national program. Wow. But because of that wide reach, um, our, our backlog, even though we're dealing with right at the doorstep of Vietnam proper, our backlog is, like I say, over two years. And so um, we're compiling those names and that list of names. And then on the assistance side of it, we're also blessed on that side because it's been so popular. We have assistants that have been with us, so actually Mark and uh, Gail probably are in that group, that have been with us for eight of our 10 annual trips. There's one lady that's been with us all 10 all years. 10, and um, and you, you think of the commitment there, not only are they paying their own way to go, in many cases they're taking off work, You know, uh, they're flying in from out of state and things like that, but they do it year after year after year. We have the Hoffman sisters in out in California. This will be their seventh year in a row they've flown in from California to go on this trip. And they're just the most wonderful ladies in the world. And uh, um, But we, I say we have the, the good blessing or, or the, the, the good fortune. We actually have more people apply for the trip than what we can take. And that's the hard part of it because all these people are willing to apply for this trip, to take the time off. They understand the commitment, the cost, what it's going to take. And yet for those 170 positions, you know, we might have close to 300 people apply for it. So that means we've got 125, 130 calls we have to make to say, you know, we're sorry, yeah, we weren't able to year, take it. And mm -hmm. sometimes they, they don't take it so well, you know, they get a little offended or something, but generally they take it, you know, real well. And but um, and this year on the medical team, uh, I was just talking to our medical team leader Trey Taylor today. We only have three openings out of the 35 positions for this year's trip, you know, and um, that aren't I should say three openings, but three that aren't committed to returning for this year's trip. 
And that makes it especially hard because we have all these highly qualified people applying and, again, wanting to do this out of the goodness of their hearts. You know, but it's a good problem. I guess that's the way you sum it up. It's a good problem. Yes. So how does someone donate to Vets Roll? That's the easiest part. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, people are doing fundraisers like you guys did here uh, all the time. And uh, but they can donate through the website vetsroll.org, and uh, there's a donate tab on there. Um, PayPal is probably the the favorite way of people doing it, but they can mail in to us. Uh, the address is all on the web page and whatnot. Um, we um, we have an attorney on our board of our board of directors, Holly Jensen. She's also one of our bus leaders, mm-hmm. and she keeps tabs on obituaries and death notices from around the country. And this is such a, a stark reality is that of the 2,000 veterans that have been on our trip in the last 10 years, almost 500 of them have passed away already. And you think of how fast that happened. And so we are seeing a huge number of memorial funds that are being left for Vetrol, you know, in, in honor of Grandpa Joe or something like that, you know. And uh, that, you know, increases every year because these older ones are just passing away faster and faster. But... So there's there's quite a few different ways to, to donate to Vetrol. So if there's a parting message that you can leave with everyone, what would that be? Thank you. Um, it's kind of our our life mission now. You know, I never realized that when we started this ten years ago. But you know, through good people like you that support it financially, great people like Matt and Gail and Mark and Natalie and everybody else that supports it financially and you know for uh, you know just supporting. With their, with their abilities and their, their skill sets and whatnot. Um, we've put together a, an A-team. We do it every year, and it just keeps quietly growing and growing and growing, and it's just an incredible, incredible thing. Well, from all of us at Community Sipping, thank you for what both of you do, for starting it, for you know volunteering for an organization like this. Thank We're you. really excited this year to, to be able to present the check for $800 to Vets Roll. You just covered the cost of a vet to make that trip of a lifetime to D.C. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for donating. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to CSB Broadcast. For more information on Community State Bank, please visit us online at communitystatebank.net. Community State Bank is member FDIC and an equal housing lender.